Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. together and want to welcome welcome all of our locations today we're so glad that you're with us how about Easter huh how about all those lives changed and so many great great things happened last weekend across all of our celebration locations and uh, we want to thank all of you who served extra last weekend and for your prayers and inviting people to church man god did some amazing things and this weekend we are kicking off a brand new series called mad world how many of you would agree we are living in a mad world we're living in a mad world and so what we're going to talk about the next few weeks is, is we're going to talk about the return of Jesus. And uh, I want to say this, you know, this is a, a subject that's not preached a lot in churches. I think people kind of got a bad taste in their mouth, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Remember all the like the return of Jesus stuff around Y2K? Some of you are old enough to r remember that, you know, like 98, Jesus, 98 reasons why Jesus coming back in 98, you know, and Y2K and this is the end and, you know, the, all this kind of stuff. And so it was kind of like after that, um, I, don't, I don't hear a lot of preachers and a lot of churches talk about the return of Christ. But I want to say this, it is one of the foundational and paramount truths of the Christian faith that Christ died, Christ rose, and that what? Christ will come again. And that it's and and Jesus talked about it a lot, especially in the gospels. The apostle Paul talked about it a lot in the epistles. So I think it would be irresponsible for me as your pastor and as a preacher of God's word to not uh, touch on this subject. And, uh, and so we are going to not only touch on it, but we're going to go there in the next few weeks. So are you guys ready? You guys ready? All right. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, God, and Lord, help us to lean in these next few moments, God, as we get into this series and get into today's message. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So if I had a title for today's message, it would be Midnight Madness. Midnight Madness. And we're going to take a look in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the ten virgins. Now I want to say that even though if you're not a virgin, this parable still applies to you, all right? So it's the parable of the ten virgins here, and the virgins represent humanity. It represents the church. It represents the world. It just represents, or they represent humanity. And look what Jesus says here. He says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, the bridegroom's Jesus, okay? We're the virgins. Even though you might not be a virgin, you're a virgin in this story, all right? We'll, we'll get there to all this meeting in a second. Look, five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. It says, the foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. It says, at midnight, everybody say Midnight. Here we go. There's about to be some midnight madness here. It says, at midnight the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. 
Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, hey, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No. Come on, how you like that answer right there? No, you ain't be taking none of my oil. My oil for me. I ain't getting left out to a party. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. Look, it says, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. Come on, there's heaven. There's heaven right there. There, 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 There's the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. Look, this is one party you don't want to be late to right here. You don't want to be fashionably fashionably late to this party. Look, they said, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So as we unpack this parable in a few moments, four things that we need to understand. We're the virgins, both the world and the church. It's humanity. The bridegroom is Jesus. The banquet is heaven. And look at this, the oil or the fuel, that's salvation. That's a real relationship with Jesus. It's what we were talking about last weekend about surrendering your life to Jesus. And I can prove it to you. And I think it was the 12th verse there where Jesus says they they came, they didn't have the oil. And Jesus said, well, I don't know you. You and I don't have a relationship. We, we, you, I'm not really your, your Lord and Savior. I don't know you. Look what it says in this verse here, Matthew 24, verse 6. It says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not yet alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Everybody say, be not alarmed. Look, be not alarmed. I, I, I love that right there. Here's what Jesus is saying, okay? Look, look, there's all these things that are coming upon the earth. There's going to be this mad world, but I don't want you to be alarmed. Why? Because we trust in the one that has overcome this world. Are you following me? And we've been talking about this the last few weeks, that peace is in a person, the person of Jesus. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not the absence of a mad world. No, peace is the presence of trust in Jesus. So when we think about peace in a mad world, many people think, well, I need need an absence of something, absence of problems, absence of conflict, but that's really not the case. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of trust. The presence of trusting in Jesus, the one who has overcome the world. Look what Jesus says in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Our peace is in a person, the person of Jesus. And as we have peace, watch, in Jesus, and as we're trusting in Jesus, and as we're faithful to Jesus, what? We can have a confidence an assurance that we're going to be prepared to meet him either when we die or when he 
returns. Are you following me? How many of you, how many, how many of you, uh, you've run out of gas recently in your car? Let's say this year. Who's, come on, confess right now. Who's run? Okay, so, so, so this is real interesting. I was looking at this. Listen to this. Um, AAA reports that there are over 800,000 reported cases of people running out of gas every single year in the United States. Over 800,000. Now, now here's the thing. If it was 10, 15 years ago, I could understand that. Come on, how many of you remember those old school gas gauges? You know, I, man, I got like a quarter tank. Am I empty? What happened? I'm out of gas. But nowadays, it's like with the cars that we have, I mean, it's like, I mean, you can actually see exactly how many miles you have left before you run out of gas. On my Suburban, it actually took five miles, four miles, danger, danger, real, you know, three miles left, my, my, my GPS pops up. Here's four gas stations within two miles. You can still make it. Warning, 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 danger. Da <laughs> and I'm like, will you shut up, car? Because I'm going to push this thing to, I mean, I'm on the very last, anybody else out there? I got like, I got like six, eight ounces of gas left. But really, come on, look, if we run out of gas today in the vehicles that we have today, they give us so many warnings. So if we run out of gas today... It's not that we weren't warned. We had a lot of warnings. It's that we just didn't listen or that we were stubborn. I submit to you today that there are so many warnings, so many warning signs that the world has given us, so many warnings, and the call of Jesus has never been louder or clearer. I mean, man, there's movies about people coming to faith. There's churches exploding everywhere. I mean, on your phone, I mean, you can just download any message. It's just the word of God is going out everywhere. And I'm telling you, if you take the, 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 the word of God and the explosion of the latter-day church and then all the madness around us, you know what? It's it, five miles left. Four miles left. Warning, warning, warning today. If people don't receive Jesus, it's not because they weren't warned. It's because they didn't listen. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of this party, of this banquet, when it all goes down. Here's what this parable teaches us. Listen, spiritual preparation, it cannot be bought and it cannot be borrowed. Spiritual preparation, your fuel, your relationship with Jesus, your surrendered life to Jesus, you can't borrow that and you can't buy it. You can't borrow your parents' faith. Maybe you come to church every now and then with a group of friends. It's kind of like, you know, you got these friends and then you got your church friends. 
you know, and, and, and when it's, you know, when it's real convenient, like you didn't stay out too late the night before, and the Jags weren't playing, and it wasn't sunny so you couldn't go to the beach, and so-and-so didn't call, and you ain't got nothing else to do, then you're gonna call your church friends. <laughs> and you kind of feel, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I got, y'all believe in God, it's kind of like, you're kind of borrowing, trying to borrow their faith. Mm-mm. When we stand before God, it's you and it's Jesus. And you've got to know him as your savior. It's what we talked about last week. We're in the dispensation of grace now. When that door closes that we read about, that's the closing of the door of the dispensation of grace. Right now, God's not holding our sins against us. Right now, it has never been easier, more simple than to receive Jesus and to see the love that he has for us and what he did for us on the cross. And I'll say this, you can't, you know, talking about spiritual preparation being bought, it doesn't matter, you might think you're a good person. You might think that, you know, you do some good works and, and, you know, by the world standards, you're okay. Listen, it's not going to work. That It doesn't matter if you come to church every single Sunday. However, if you do do that, I will put in an extra good word for Jesus about you or an extra good word for you about Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. What I'm trying to say is what is required, what is the oil, what is the fuel, it is a real relationship with Jesus, and that's what you have to have. And I can't give it for you. I can preach Jesus to you. I can't give you that relationship. That's up to you. But that's what you're going to have to have to get in the door. How many of you have ever, have you ever been to a place where you didn't have what you needed to get what you wanted? Isn't that frustrating? You know what I'm saying? Like you go to all this work and you're going to an event or you're going someplace like, like the DMV. You know, the DMV, Sierra Leone, something like that, you know. You go to the DMV and you're like, yeah, I just need a, I need a copy of my driver's license. I lost it. And what is it? It's like... Okay, we need you to get a photocopy of your birth certificate. We need that notarized by an attorney. Uh, then what we need you to do is we need you to answer these questions in Spanish. We need six credit cards. We need a retina scan. We need fingerprints. We need a note from your doctor, your grandmother, if she's still, a, you're like, what? Come on, man. Can y'all tell I'm bitter at the DMV? I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I'll tell you that. But this is one event, watch, that you want to make sure that you have what's necessary and you're prepared. And it's not a complicated list. It is a simple personal relationship. Jesus. Come on, can you thank God that he's made it that simple? 
Here we go. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three observations real quickly. I want to give you three observations about this parable and uh, about this parable, about this midnight madness that happens. And, 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 and the first thing is this, okay, the midnight crowd, the midnight crowd. Matthew 25, 5, it says, the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all, everybody say all, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So here, here's what I want to submit to you, okay? This is talking about the world and the church. I want to submit to you that we're in this midnight hour right now, that we're in the midnight madness. And because because Jesus hasn't come back yet, guess what? We're all kind of drowsy to the whole thing. We're all kind of going about our lives. We're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're doing our stuff. It's kind of like we've all kind of become a little bit drowsy to the whole return of Christ thing. That's where we are right now. This is the midnight hour. There is midnight madness happening right now and because it, 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 we don't see it it's like it's not right there in front of us because it's Jesus has been a long time in coming in our view in our short lifetime if you look at the you know the the whole whole big context of world history it's actually very very short but in our lifetime I, he's delayed it's kind of like it's so easy for everyone to kind of watch kind of get drowsy kind of get asleep on the thing even though the warning signs are everywhere everywhere I want you to think about this. When Jesus said this, he said this, he, he said that, look, look, all these things are going to happen. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There, there, there's going to be all these things happening. And he even makes this analogy. He says, you know, it's, it's like a woman giving birth. You've, now, now, I've never given birth, but my wife, I take her word for it and other ladies that have given birth. What happens when that baby starts to come, you get what? You get a birth pain, right? And then the closer it is to the birth, the pains what? They get more intense and they get what? More frequent, more intense and more frequent. So people, when they read those scriptures, they say, well, man, yeah, earthquakes and wars and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just been going on forever. Not at the intensity or the frequency. Did you know that scientists say in the last hundred years, the intensity and frequency of earthquakes has, has gone up a hundredfold? A hundredfold? Come on. Not doubled. A hundred times? Look at this. This is right out of the New York Times. I mean the L.A. Times. Look at this. Quakes are increasing, but scientists aren't sure what it means. <laughs> L.A. Times. Quakes are increasing, but scientists aren't sure what it means. I'll tell you who is sure what it means. Scientist Jesus. And, and what he said was, is that when we see these things, watch, happen more frequently and with more intensity, 
We need to kind of understand that, 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 that his redemption comes nigh. So here's what happens. People see all this crazy stuff happening around them. So many people interpret that as fear. But if you're following Jesus, it's actually very hopeful. That's why Jesus says when you see all these things happening, don't look down and be discouraged, but look up because your redemption draws nigh. I'm going old school today. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. I don't know when. I, don't, I mean, I have no idea, but here's what I do know. Boy, those warning signs are everywhere. Here's what I do know. I, I have no idea how much longer the earth can take what's going on. How much more can, can, can man devolve how much more can, can sin strip away and eat away at our soul with everything that's out there? I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I do know this. I know the warning signs are everywhere, and I'm not going to be caught unprepared or not ready. Come on, is somebody feeling me? And what... And here's what, look, this is going to help you. Can I just help you right now? How many of you would agree there's a lot of problems out there? There's a lot of trouble out there. Okay, let me help you out. Get ready for a lot more trouble. Get ready for trouble. Didn't Jesus say that? In this world you will have what? Trouble, but in me you will have what? Peace. Look at someone near you and say, you're going to have some trouble. You have some trouble. See, I see some of y'all answering back right now. Yeah, I got trouble. You, you sitting right next to me. You, the main source of trouble in my life. Some of y'all been waiting to say that all week. Pastor just gave you permission. So that's the state of the crowd, but now... Now look at this. There's also a midnight cry. So to the crowd, that's us, there's a, there's a cry. Look at this, Matthew 25, 6, it says at midnight. Everybody say again, midnight. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. So this cry comes out to the crowd. The bridegroom's coming. Come meet him. Now that cry was fear to some, but it was hope to others. And I want to submit to you this. This is not a future cry. Do you understand? We're in the midnight hour right now. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is crying out to every single person on planet earth. Come to Jesus. Jesus wants to meet you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Jesus wants you to surrender your life to him. There's nothing in this world that you can hope in. Can't we look at everything going on? Don't we realize that there is no hope? There's not hope in any other thing. Any government, no amount of money can save you. No amount of money can alleviate the emptiness on the inside of you. I'm telling you, Jesus is your only hope.
How much more do you have to see? How much more suffering do you have to see? How much more sin do you have to see until we realize that only peace, listen, the only peace is going to come through Jesus. The only peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And that's where our hope is. I love what Hebrews 6.19 says. Look at this. It says, look, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Look, firm and what? And secure. How many of you want to know that you have a relationship with Jesus? You know your sins are forgiven. You know that you're prepared. Come on, you know that that door is going to be open to you. It's in Jesus. I, I've owned a lot of boats in my lifetime. I don't own boats anymore. You want to know why? Because whoever owns the boat doesn't have any fun on the boat. <laughs> Where's my boat people out there? I'll drive by anywhere. If, if we're in a lake or river, some people out are, are out on a boat, I'll spot the owner in a flash. Four people on the boat, three people are having a blast, fishing, doing whatever, and one person's looks stressed out, cleaning up everything, hosing down, all that kind of stuff. That's why I don't own boats. Now what I do is I have friends that own boats, and I'm one of the happy guys on the boat. <laughs> so if you own a boat, you can invite me. One of us needs to be happy, right? Might as well be me. <laughs> but when I did own boats, well, I always, I used to, I used to fish a lot. And when I, when I did own boats, I always had a big anchor, big, big anchor. In college, I would fish uh, out in the Gulf of Mexico a lot off the coast of Louisiana. And there's a lot of currents and storms around the mouth of the Mississippi. And what I learned is you always need an oversized anchor, watch, so no matter how bad the storm is, how bad the currents are, how crazy the winds are, that anchor is going to hold my boat so the winds and the waves and the storms and the currents don't crash it in to the rocks or, 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 or in the area wherever we are. See, if you have a big enough anchor... No matter how strong those winds are, no matter how bad the storms, watch it. It'll blow you. It'll only blow you so far. It'll rock you. It'll move you, but only so far. Why? Because this boat has an anchor, and that anchor is keeping it in a position of security. Do you see? Jesus is the anchor of your soul. And no matter how crazy the world gets, no matter how bad those storms are, no matter what's going on around you, it, it'll, it'll move you. It'll, 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 it'll toss you a little bit. But you know what? It will keep you secure in your position in Christ, and God will take care of you. Come on, can you give God a hand clap? Everybody say, he's the anchor. He's the anchor, he, he's the anchor of our soul.
He keeps us steady. That's why it's so important in this world and everything crazy going on. Watch, listen, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have pain. We're going to have challenges. When Jesus is the anchor of our soul, we're able to process that pain in a healthy way. When Jesus is the anchor of our soul, we're able to trust God in circumstances when it doesn't make sense. He's holding us in position so that the storms of life don't crash us up against the rocks. And here's what I want to say about trusting Jesus. The more that you trust Jesus, the more you realize you can trust Jesus. And the more you're faithful to Jesus, the more you realize that he's so much more faithful to you. And the more that you know Jesus, watch, watch, here's where I'm going with it. The more you know Jesus, the more you realize that in this world, we give way too much energy. We worry ourselves about way too many things that really don't matter, that are just going to burn up, that aren't going to last. We have way too much equity in this life. We rest way too much of our happiness in this life. This life is uncertain. This life is painful. This life is troublesome. Here's what I know. You know where my soul is anchored? You know where that anchor is sitting? In the afterlife, in eternity, in heaven. That's where I'm going to end up. That's where I'm eventually going. This world is just a temporary basis. It's just a vapor, the Bible says. And we spend so much time, watch, preparing ourselves for just the things of this world. And many times we neglect Preparation for the one thing that matters. Man, we prepare so hard for school and our careers, and we, and we should. We prepare so hard for retirement. It's only going to last whatever it's going to last. It used to be 15 years. Now you got about five on it, all right? So... When God is saying, if you realize this mad world is not your home, eternity is your home. That's where that anchor is pulling you to. And the more you trust Jesus, the more you start to be driven by eternity, driven by the things that really matter, and the more you're focused on the things that really matter, the more fulfilled you are in this life, the more content you are in this life. Come on. The more you realize that God truly has, he's, he's overcome this world, and he lives in you, and so you're going to overcome this world, regardless of the madness. And here's the final thing. So there's the midnight crowd. There's the midnight cry. Remember this. There is a message in the madness. There's a message in the madness. And that message is come to Jesus and trust Jesus. In that cry, in the, in the madness, there's a message in the madness. And that's come to Jesus. 
And the third thing is the midnight crisis. The midnight crisis is what we want to avoid. That's at the end there where Jesus says, look, I, I don't know you. Here's what I want to say about the crisis. The call, right? The midnight call, that call turned into a crisis only to those who weren't ready. The call turned into a crisis only to those who weren't ready. How many of you want to avoid a crisis right now? If there's any crisis to avoid, it's this one. And it was a crisis only for those who weren't ready. So I know what you're thinking, you're like, all right, so of all, you've talked about, you know, I understand I need to make sure I have a real relationship with Jesus. I've surrendered my life to him. You talked about being ready, being prepared. How, how do I make sure that I'm ready, that I'm prepared? I, I see the warning signs, kind of what, what are some practical things that I can do? I can sum it up real or in a real simple way for you. Readiness and faithfulness are synonymous. Readiness and faithfulness are synonymous. That's why it's celebration. Whoa, man, be faithful to God's house. Watch this. You were faithful to God's house today. How many of you feel more ready? Do you see? Come into God's house. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as you see that day approaching. You're faithful to God's house. What are we always talking about here at celebration? What? Having your daily time with God reading your chapter a day, at least a chapter a day, when you're faithful to the Word of God. Look, readiness and faithfulness are synonymous. You're keeping your heart ready. When you're serving, being faithful to what God's called you to do. Some of y'all, got God's been calling you to serve. You hadn't responded in obedience to that. Some of you already are serving. We, we're faithful in serving. Some of us, with our giving, we need to be more faithful in our giving, readiness and faithfulness are synonymous. Whatever God is calling you to do, the way that you keep your heart prepared is by being faithful in your relationship with Jesus and being faithful in the things that God's called you to do. Do you understand we talk about, let's take faithfulness in giving. Do you, like, do you understand, look, look, God's gonna provide for his church. Do you know that giving is much more for you than it is for the church? you know that? You know what giving is? Giving is an antidote to covetousness. That's why whenever the Bible talks about idolatry, it talk, usually covetousness and idolatry are right there together. Okay, avoid covetousness, which is idolatry. What happens? When we give to God, it keeps our heart in a prepared state where we're showing Jesus is Lord of our life, not our money. Follow me here. It keeps our heart ready for the things of eternity. That's where our money's going. Instead of all the things in this life. Are you following me? When you serve in a church, you're identifying with Jesus. It's helping you to remember, you know what? This life is about other people. It's not about me. Do you see all of these, what we would call practices in the church that God's called you to be faithful in, all of these things are to help keep you ready and keep your heart prepared 
so that that day, what we just read in that parable, that day doesn't come upon you unaware. But when that call comes out, come on, it's a call of hope for you. You're excited about that. You're not ashamed that it's coming. If you die, you're ready to meet Jesus. I wish somebody would help me preach in here. I wish you would. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's stand up and worship him right now. Let's worship him right now. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.